0: The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. God had prepared Israel to be rescued. Now he was preparing a man to be the rescuer. God would bring the man, God would bring the redeemer, God would bring the rescuer from a very unlikely place. God would bring him from a place that nobody would have assumed him to come from. He would, he would bring this deliverer from a place that, by the way, that would come uh, very unlikely, very unique. And Can I remind us all tonight, God doesn't do things the way we do. God doesn't think the way we think. God doesn't plan out things the way we plan out things. God uh, knows what's best. God understands. He has an understanding before. He knows all things and he has a plan that's already set in motion. You understand that God's plan has already been set in motion, it was already set in motion before uh, these, uh, these two parents came together, before Moses was even born. God had a plan, God had a purpose uh, for these things. As we understand, as we look in the New Testament, the New Testament preachers, when they open up the Old Testament because they didn't have a New Testament, the Bible says that whenever they open the Old Testament, they preach Jesus from the Old Testament. The interesting is you cannot uh, go into the Old Testament and not find Jesus, that Jesus is there, that uh, there's, a, there's a type of Christ, that there's a, a direction that's being pointed to, there's a, there's a prophecy about, or there's a place where we find the Lord Jesus Christ and, and uh, where this is. You cannot look at the life of Moses and not see the life of Christ. They're so there and intertwined because here's the truth tonight. Moses was not going to be ultimately the deliverer. The Messiah was going to be the deliverer that was brought through uh, the nation of Israel. God was going to use Moses. God was going to show us through Moses who Jesus was. And God was ultimately going to bring Jesus Christ into the world uh, through uh, the children of Israel. The Israelites were there. They were uh, they were under slavery. They were under this uh, under this uh, wrath of uh, of the Egyptians. And and boy, uh, uh, the king of Egypt, the Bible says, he had made a command uh, in that day that all the male babies would be thrown into the river. That they would be uh, disposed of. That they would be killed. We saw last week there was two uh, midwives who were employed by uh, the Egyptians and when he gave that command that they kill those babies, the Bible says that they they believed God, they they listened to God, they heard God, they obeyed God rather than the king. They took that position. They believed that God's word was more important uh, than uh, the political leader of of their day and God blessed them for it. The Bible says in, in Exodus 1 that he took care of them for doing that. But when we look at the life of Moses, there's such a uniqueness. And just by way of introduction, I want you to see it with me. Uh, We can look at his birth. When you look at the birth of Moses, Moses was born. He was born under hostile power. He was born under a hostile king, just like the Lord Jesus Christ was. We look at his nationality. He was an Israelite. Of his nationality, being born in a place where, uh, if you would, they were under again, under this heathen rule, this heathen king. Uh, and, and we know the Lord Jesus Christ, as far as humanity is concerned, he was a Jew, he was born an Israelite. We look at his infancy, his infancy was endangered because of the heathen king. Boy, we remember when Jesus was born, didn't Herod try to uh, kill all those babies? And he, he set the decree in and he tried to dispose of, he tried to get rid of, if you would, this redeemer. He tried to get rid of this king. I'm not going to have this king take my throne. I'm not going to have this king uh, rule over me. And we see uh, he's endangered even in his infancy. We see the way that he was born and the time that he was born in and we see the danger that surrounded his birth. But we see God's protection and God's deliverance and God's hand on that child, don't we? Because even as uh, that that child was born uh, born in a manger in an unlikely place and and delivered in an unlikely way and protected in an amazing, miraculous way, we understand that God, even in adverse times, even in difficult times, God's plan goes forward and God protects uh, His children. We see God's love in His infancy. We see His adoption. He became, the Bible says, In uh, Exodus 2, he became uh, this uh, Pharaoh's daughter. He became her son, the Bible says. In other words, here, there was no earthly father in this adoption. There was only a mother uh, who was going to, if you would, raise the child. Pharaoh's daughter was there, and he became her son. We see that in uh, the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. as He had no human father, but he had a mother that God used, a godly mother that God used. And boy, we see the godly mother that Moses had. He became her son. We see his childhood in his childhood. He, we find him here in Egypt. In Matthew 2:13, we see the Lord Jesus Christ uh, being called uh, from Bethlehem to Egypt. And there he was. He was hid in Egypt. He was hid for a period of time from the king. They told him to go down into Egypt and hide there. We see uh, uh, Moses being hid in Egypt. We see uh, his compassion uh, for Israel. In verse number 11, we see how he, he loved his brothers, uh, he loved his brethren, he loved uh, those that were uh, of his family, if you would, and we, don't we see Jesus' love for the Jews, his compassion on them, his love for them. We see that in, in the life of Moses as well, as he looked on his brothers and he was hurt, he was moved, the Bible says, verse 11, with compassion on them. Not only do we see his compassion, but we also see his re- rejection by Israel. As we look at uh, verse number 14 of the chapters, he went to help the Israelites. He came to help them, and they said, who made you the king? Who made you our king? You're not going to rule over us. You're not our pre- prince. You're not our king. And they rejected him, and they pushed him aside, and they didn't, they didn't want to believe that he was, if you would, a savior, a redeemer, or uh, that was God's purpose for his life. And we see his understanding that he was on a mission. The Bible says in verse number 11 that he knew. He had an understanding in verse 10 that he had an understanding of who he was that where he came from and that he had a purpose for being. Early on in his life, he understood as Jesus did. He said, hey, to his mother, he said, wish ye not that I must be about my father's business. I've got, God's got a plan for me. We see uh, his understanding. We see his sojourning among the Gentiles As he was gone out after this period of time into the wilderness and he was caused to go among the Gentiles and sojourn among them, aren't you glad for the Lord Jesus Christ being sent to not only the Jews but to the Gentiles as we're saved tonight because of that? We see his seclusion for a season as Moses goes out into the wilderness and we also see his shepherding as God gave him this position. There's no doubt uh, in my mind, there's no doubt uh, in Scripture that we see uh, Moses as being a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, a lot of times we look at that and we say, Well, that's great. We, we understand that Moses was a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. We understand that Moses' life, if he was a parallel in Scripture to reveal to us, not that Moses was going to be ultimately again the Redeemer. Moses was not the Messiah. Moses was not the Savior, but he typified, he was pointing to, he was a picture of. And, Sometimes we look at somebody like Moses, we say, well, I'm never, God doesn't have a plan for me like that. God doesn't have a purpose for me like that. Moses was special. Moses was unique. But can I remind us all tonight that as Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 3 tells us, we're hid in the Lord Jesus Christ. That we are supposed to, uh, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. The Bible says in Colossians 3.3, 3, uh, what is it that, that's supposed to mean? It means that our life is hid in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not our life that should be seen, but the life of Christ. Are you with me? So, when it comes to us as Christians, as much as we look at Moses and say we understand his purpose in life was to typify Christ and to be a rescuer, to be a redeemer, uh, what does it have to do with me? The truth is tonight, every child of God should be a picture of Christ to the world that we live in. The Lord Jesus Christ is in us. And the truth is tonight, if Christ is in us, he cannot be hid. He cannot be hid. If he's in us, you can't keep him inside for very long. You can't, keep it, uh, you can't keep a lid on that. If he's in you, what's in you is going to come out. Boy, you can't hide the Lord Jesus Christ and his work uh, in a life. And by the way, who would want to hide it? Jesus said, a city that's set up on a hill cannot be hid. Why would you want to put put it underneath a bushel? Why would you want to blow it out? Why would you not want to let your light so shine? Hey, listen, the light of the world is Jesus, but can I tell you tonight that that light is within God's people. We're the vessels for the light. We're the ones he wants to use. He has a purpose for us. And again, I don't want you to miss this because I think a lot of times we look at Scripture and say, Oh, that's great. That's how God used Moses. What does it have to do with me? Do you believe that God has a purpose for you tonight? That God has a purpose for which he created you? That God has a plan for your life? That God wants to use you to his honor and to his glory? Sometimes, like Moses, we can be reminded tonight, as Moses was not the Messiah, as Moses was not the Redeemer, we're not the Messiah, we're not the Redeemer. Boy, if we examine the life of Moses long enough, we're going to find sin, aren't we? We're going to find flaws, aren't we? We're going to find ways, just as many ways, if not more ways, that he was not like Jesus as much as he was like Jesus. Boy, if you examine me tonight, examine yourselves tonight, there's a lot of things about us that are not like Christ. Jesus was sinless. He was perfect. We're to be like Christ, but uh, don't we battle with those things within us that are not like Christ. Those things are an enmity with Christ. Those things are an enmity with the new nature that God has given us. And I want to say this tonight. Let me give you just five things. And if you want to write these down, they'd be helpful to you. Uh, you can do that. You cannot hide your purpose. If you look at Exodus chapter 2 and verse number 3, the Bible says, And when she could not longer hide him, there was a period of time where sometimes in our lives that the will of God that if you would, the work that God is doing is not seen on the outside. There's a period of time, the Bible says, uh, that God takes pleasure in concealing a matter, that God sometimes takes pleasure in hiding a thing. That sometimes in our lives, there's a period of time that we go through where we don't really understand what's going on. We don't really see the purpose. We don't really get the big picture, if you would. Sometimes it's a mystery to us. Sometimes it's hidden within us. And Boy, there's a period of time that we go through in life, and I don't know whether it's because you're being raised in a Christian home and you're a young person and you're going through all these things in your life and you don't understand that God has a purpose for you, but right now it's hidden and you haven't yet seen that revealed. Listen, over time you be faithful, you stay close to God, you follow the Lord. It's going to be revealed over time why you are where you are. It's going to be revealed over time why God has placed you where he's placed you. It's going to be revealed over time why God has put things in your life that he's put in your life. You may not get it right now, but you will get it one day. Because there's going to be a point of time where those things that are hidden are going to be brought to light. Those purposes that you cannot understand right now are going to be brought to fruition in your life. And don't we know as Christians that we know all things work together for good. To them that love the Lord, to them who are the what? The called, I sometimes we leave this out. The called according to his what? Purpose. God has a purpose, and that purpose even though you may not see it working together for good right now, even though you may feel like it's not good right now, even though you may feel like it's hard right now, or there's opposition right now, or there's difficulty right now, hey, listen, you just be faithful. You just trust God because that purpose is going to be revealed. That that truth is going to come to light. Just as Christ could not be hid, Christ and you cannot be hid. Let me give you these five things tonight. Number one, sometimes... We pretend, we claim to be what we are not. Sometimes we claim to be what we are not. Just like Moses, you can pretend to be an Egyptian, but not for long. You can pretend uh, to be, uh, if you would, someone that's of this world, but not for long as a Christian. I don't believe any true believer can... Be in the world, pretending to be uh, of the world and stay in the world and be satisfied in the world because, listen, there's something within uh, every Christian, uh, Jesus Christ within, the Holy Spirit of God within, that's not going to allow you to be content with this world. The things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. The things of this world, listen, you may be, if you would, like Moses, uh, have the pleasures of sin for a season. You may see the season. Uh, you may see uh, what's going on. You may be in Egypt for a period of time, but listen, there's going to be a point just like Moses where Moses chose rather to be with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, the Bible said, There's a season for it. And there's a purpose in you that's crying out that cannot be hid." You see, Moses... Here he's in, he's in the um, basket that's been prepared, floating down the river. Boy, this would seem like a tragedy. This would seem like a, a horrible thing to do. Who puts their baby in the Nile River? I mean, the Nile River is not, uh, not some place where you just put a baby Nile River is full of all kinds of things, Uh, not only the rapids and the the motion of the river and all the things that are with it, but also all the crocodiles and things uh, that are around in that place. You don't just put a baby, a newborn baby, in a river like that. I don't think any of us, as much as we dread uh, our children when we're driving around in the car, don't have their seatbelt on, would stick our baby in a raft and let it float down the river. There was a desperation here, wasn't there? But God was in control. God was in control. Hey, listen, it was God who made the river. It was God who directed the river. It was God who caused Moses to go right where he needed to go, to get right to the place that he needed to get. And as I said before, God does things in ways we don't do things. You think about this. God used the tears of a baby to rescue, to bring about the Redeemer, to put the Redeemer in the place where he needed to be, to put the rescuer where he needed to be, the cries of the baby were the first weapon fashioned against Egypt. What a weapon. That was the only way. Listen, infiltration was God's plan. Not only was God going to place the redeemer, the rescuer, within the the enemy's camp, within the enemy's... But he was going to allow the enemy to raise him, to pay for him, to feed him, to educate him, to bring him to the point that he was ready to come up and he was going to reject and rescue the people. And God used that. God used that situation. He used the cries of a baby. He used the words of a sister. You think about as Miriam was watching over her brother as he floated down the river, she came and just kind of said, hey, can I help out? You need somebody to help you with this baby. Let me get a woman. Let me get somebody to help him. Boy, we see that even Pharaoh's daughter was willing to pay Moses' own mother to nurse him and raise him. You can't tell me that God's not in that. Listen, God does amazing things. And sometimes in the process when God is bringing bringing forth his purposes and revealing these things, strange things happen. But you can't pretend to be what you're not. Moses was there, he was in Egypt, he was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, but it didn't take long. In verse number 11, the Bible tells us, and it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out unto his brethren, and he looked on their burdens. The Bible says in the end of the verse that there was one of his brethren. Again and again, the Bible tells us that Moses had an understanding that where he was was not who he was. That where he was, was not who he was. We have to be careful as Christians that we don't allow where we are to define who we are. Because we are in the midst, if you would, of the world that we live in. And we're not, we're in this world, but we're not of this world, if you would. And there's a danger uh, in us allowing where we are to dictate and define who we are. And we're different, aren't we? Been called out. We've been set aside. Isn't that important that why as we are as God's church, the Bible says we're a called out assembly. A group of people that have been called out, that's why we come together. We come together because we've been called out because there's strength in the numbers and God knows we need one another. And God knows that we need the fellowship and God knows that we need the preaching and God knows that we need the worship and we need to get together because if not, sometimes if we stay away before long, we're going to allow the world that we're living in to define who we are. God said here, hey, listen, I'm not going to let where you are, Moses, define who you are. And sometimes we claim to be what we are not. Number two, sometimes we confuse our burdens For our purpose. Sometimes we confuse our burdens for our purpose. Look at verse number 11. It came to pass in those days when Moses was grown. That he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens. He looked on their burdens and he got confused. He thought that the burden that he got was the purpose that God had. Can I say this to you tonight? That we all know, knowing the story of Moses that it was not God's purpose for Moses to take the Egyptians out by killing them one at a time. That was not God's purpose for Moses' life. Listen, what did Moses do? He saw one of his brethren that was literally being beat to death, the intention of the Egyptians to kill this Jew. He's beating this man to death, and Moses is moved. He gets burdened. He steps in, but notice what he did before. He looked both ways. He wanted to make sure nobody was looking. He was, at this point, willing to defend his brother as long as nobody was watching. He was willing to stand with his brothers and sisters as long as nobody noticed, as long as it didn't cost him anything, as long as it was going to put him in a precarious position. Sometimes, if we're not careful, we're the same way. We're willing to serve God as long as nobody's looking, if you would. As long as it doesn't cost us anything. As long as we're not being observed by the world that we live in or being ridiculed or or being put into that same position. See, there was a time that Moses said he chose to be with the people of God. He chose to be identified with them. At this point, he was burdened, but he had not yet got to the point of his purpose, had he? God's purpose for him was not for him to take out the Egyptians one at a time. And by the way, sometimes we do that same thing. We confuse our burdens for our purpose. Sometimes you get burdened about something, just like I do. How about you? And I can get a burden, you can get a burden. We can see something that's happening that maybe shouldn't be happening. We can get distracted, if you would, from what God's calling is in our life and the purpose for which he's created us. And it's a sad thing sometimes when we... Uh, take a lower or lesser purpose than God's. Or when we take God's will into our own hands. We think we're going to do it. We're going to accomplish it. Moses had something to learn, didn't he? And that brings us to point number three. Sometimes we consider our failures to be accidents instead of God's preparations. Sometimes we consider our failures to be accidents instead of God's preparations. You know, anybody ever fail in here? Anybody ever make a mistake? Anybody ever get confused about what your purpose is, and you act on, or you say, or you move forward with, and you think, boy, I'm going to do this, and I'm really going to do this, and I don't think God makes any accidents. I think sometimes we get confused, we get burdened about things, and we think that's what we're supposed to do. We make commitments, we make vows, we, we put ourselves in position and say, "This is what I'm going to do with my life." But Moses, although he was confused, God was going to bring him to the point to where he had an understanding. But before he could do that, he had to let him fail. He had to let him fail. If Moses had succeeded, then Moses' plan of action would have been king instead of God's plan of action. Moses had to get to the place where he was willing to say, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Not my way, God, but your way. Boy, Moses made a mistake, didn't he? Moses failed, at least in his own eyes. I mean, he ran, and he thought, boy, this is a failure. You ever have that happen in your life where you thought you failed, but God was just using that failure to prepare you? There's no accidents with God. There's no failures with God. Listen, as you have made failures, God has used those failures to prepare you for your purpose, hasn't he? God has used your actions that you took and by... Aren't we glad that when we say that again, and we know all things work together for good... I'm glad that God's plan is bigger than my mistakes. How about you? That even when I fail, even when I make mistakes, that God's will and God's plan continues to move forward. It does. Because God's plan is bigger than us, and God's will is bigger than us, and God is bigger than us, isn't he? And I'm not the one that's facilitating God's will. God wants to facilitate God's will in my life. God is the facilitator. God is the controller. And sometimes we consider our failures to be accidents. We've got to stop as Christians thinking about luck and accidents and happenstance and coincidence and start looking at a sovereign God. You think, boy, that just kind of happened and I'm, oh boy, that was a mistake and oh boy, that was an accident. You know, you can let your accidents, you can let your mistakes, you can let these coincidences control your life or you can let God control your life. You can give your life to God, let him have control. If you're not careful, you'll think because you've made failures in the past that God can't use you in the present. Come on. Sometimes people don't serve God the way they should serve God because they look at their past and they say, well, because my past is this, I can't be used. Fooey on that. Show me that in the Bible. God doesn't ever look at someone's past and say, well, I can't use you now. Did Moses' failure keep God from using Moses? As a matter of fact, God said, I'm going to let the failure happen. I'm going to let this happen because i got to prepare this man. Listen, aren't you glad? Aren't you glad in some small way tonight that your life hasn't been perfect the way you thought it should be? That it hadn't worked out the way you thought it should happen? That if you wrote the story, your story would look a lot different. Be careful thinking you're writing your own story and making your own plans. You with me? A lot of people like to talk about how they're so good at making plans. Be careful writing your own story and making your own plans and not factoring God into those things. Saying, I'm going to make plans and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Hey, listen, who's writing the story? You or God? God's writing the story. Doesn't mean that it's going to look like you think it should be. By the way, God's will doesn't have to be perfect to you to be perfect for you. It doesn't have to be perfect to you to be perfect for you. God's will is perfect for you, whether you think it's perfect to you. Whether you think, oh boy, I would have done it a different way. How many would have done things differently than God in your life? How many tried to do things differently than God in your life? How many found out that God knows better? He sure does. Boy, you were scared and you ran and you were afraid and you had doubts and you had fears and you made mistakes and you had actions, but God can take all the broken pieces and make it a perfect harmony. He can make it a perfect preparation in our lives. God was about to prepare a man in the backside of the wilderness and he would never got to wilderness if he wouldn't have been afraid and ran out there. He thought, boy, I'm a failure. Boy, I've, I've messed up. Boy, I'm never gonna be able to be used. But God was working still, wasn't he? Sometimes we consider our failures to be actions instead of God's preparations. Number four, sometimes we get content with lesser purposes. Sometimes we get content with lesser purposes. Look at verse number 21. The Bible says, And Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses to Zipporah, his daughter. Moses got out to the wilderness, and you know what he thought? I guess God's plan for my life is to be a shepherd. He put down roots. He got married. He had children. There he is, out in the middle of the wilderness, and thinking, I was born in Egypt. I was raised by the Egyptians. I was educated in Pharaoh's palace. And God's plan for my life all this long was that I would be a shepherd. Come on, are you with me? Sometimes we get content with lesser purposes. We think, this is the plan. This is what's going to happen. If you're not careful, listen, all your purposes, all your plans are always lesser than God's, whether you think they are or not. When 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 we start to get content with our own plan, when we start to get content with our own purposes, look out, God's about to change some things up. Didn't God show up there in the wilderness? I am. Here I am, I've always been here. And by the way, you can't hide from God in the world and you can't hide from God in the wilderness because God is in both places and all together every place at all times. You can't hide from God and you can't hide in the Lord. God's got a purpose for you and if you want to take a lesser purpose, hey listen, God might even let you try. He might even let you be content with it. But I'm telling you tonight, it's time for God's church to once again say, hey, listen, I'm not going to get content with lesser purposes than God's purpose. not going to be content in doing what I want and not doing what God wants. Moses got it mixed up. He didn't understand. He thought, boy, this is God's plan. And by the way, God was all along in his timing, in his purpose, bringing him to where he was. But God never intended for Moses to stay in Egypt. God never intended for Moses to stay in Midian. It was not God's plan. It was just God's preparation, wasn't it? But God had a plan. God had a purpose along the way. Sometimes we get content with lesser purposes. Then number five tonight. Sometimes we don't comprehend God's timing. Sometimes we don't comprehend God's timing. Look at it with me. Verse number 23. And it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. Where's the children of God? Still in Egypt, still in her bondage. God's still preparing their hearts. God's preparing their circumstances. All the while he's got preparations being made in another place. He's preparing the rescuer. He's preparing the leadership. He's preparing the man that he's going to call to lead his people out of Egypt. He's doing things, by the way, both preparations are happening simultaneously in different places. Sometimes we think that God only works here. That God only does things now. That God can't be multitasking, because if God is paying attention to me, I'm enough work. How could God be doing anything else anywhere else? Are you with me? Can I remind us tonight that while God is working on us, God is working on others. While God is working here, God is working elsewhere. Boy, it would be a sad thing if we thought God was only working here that God was only doing it here, that it's about us. Hey, listen, God was working in both places simultaneously and he was working his plan in the world and God is always working his plan in the world. As we said last week, God was preparing his children for the first coming and today he's preparing us for the second. His people missed the first. It'd be sad if we missed the second. It'd be sad if we overlooked what was happening say, It'd be sad if we, listen, we, we study God's word, we know God's word, we look at Israel and say, boy, they were just foolish. They just missed. They, they missed the Messiah. They missed, they missed the coming of Christ. They, they overlooked it. They rejected him. Here's the thing. How much of God's church today is going to miss the second? He's not ready for it now. I mean that God is working his purposes about in the world right now. As we understand the prophecies have been given, there's nothing that needs to happen in order for Jesus Christ to come back. I mean, it's imminent. His return. He's coming. We just sang tonight. Hey, Lord, we know. Even so, hey, we know. Uh, the, the, let, it, let it come, let it be, Lord. We we want you to come back, don't we? But we sing that and we say that, but are we truly ready for that? May I ask us a question tonight, church? Are we ready for the judgment seat of Christ? Are we ready. We say we believe in it, but are we ready for it? You say, well, of course I'm ready for it. I'm ready because I'm saved. The judgment seat of Christ is not about your salvation. The judgment seat of Christ is about what you did with your salvation. You with me tonight? The judgment seat of Christ, if you were not saved, you wouldn't be at the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ is not about whether you're saved or lost. The judgment seat of Christ is about what you did with the life that God gave you. It's about whether or not you fulfilled the purpose that God is not today hiding from you, whether you fulfill the purpose for which God puts you in the world during this time, for this purpose. A lot of times we like to pretend God's will is a mystery so we don't have to do it. Well, if God would just show me what his will is, do everything he showed you, do everything he's shown you, let God show you in his time what the next thing is, but can I tell us tonight, all of us, myself included, God is not going to show me the next step until I've taken a step he's already shown me. He's not going to say, here's the next five steps. He's going to say, here's the next step. And he's not going to reveal his will to someone who has already decided in their heart that they're not going to do it. Why is God obligated to do that? We've already made a decision I'm already setting my life on a course to do things my way. I understand I've been saved, thank the, God, thank the Lord for it. But I don't want to be saved yet, so as by fire. Come on, are you with me tonight at the judgment seat of Christ? Too much is given; much is be required. Much will be required. Can I say this tonight? The American church will be very responsible at the judgment seat of Christ. Very responsible. We don't have excuses. Because God has given us so much, hasn't He? God has given us much more than many that have come before us, and many that have gone before us have done much more with less. They've done much more with less. They had less resources, they had less freedom, they had less money, they had less talent. They had less this and less that, and we're all the while making excuses why God has blessed us, why we are reaping from the faith of the, the, those who have gone before us. Who will reap from our lack of faith? Who will reap from our lack of obedience? It's going to be a sad day for God's church. You say God's not in control. Yes, He's in control, but I'm telling us tonight, hey, listen, don't we need to obey Him? Don't we need to listen to His voice? And Don't we need to follow His plan? Sometimes we just don't comprehend God's timing. At best, we're impatient. We want God to work like a microwave. We want it now. We want it ready. And we want it how we want it. Come on, God doesn't work at Burger King. It's not your way. It's not your way. God's not there to do our bidding. We're there to do His. We're here to do His bidding. A lot of times we're telling God, God do this and God do that and God bless this and God bless that and God bless this plan and God bless that plan. What about you doing God's will and then knowing that you're going to have God's blessing? The truth is, is, all of us know, if we obey God's word, we're going to have God's blessing. That's God's obligation to us. It's his promise to us. But we're trying to say, God, I'm going to do things outside of your word, but I still, I still want to have your blessing. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. You don't step outside of God's Word and then ask God to bless it. You go inside of God's Word and know He's going to bless it. We need that tonight. Sometimes we pretend to be what we're not. We claim to be what we're not. Sometimes we confuse our burdens for our purpose. Sometimes we consider our failures to be accidents instead of God's preparations. Sometimes we get content with lesser purposes, and sometimes we don't comprehend God's timing. It's sad sometimes when God's word's so clear, but our ears are so plugged. You know, and a lot of Christians do it on purpose. They know they're turning it off. They know they're turning a deaf ear because they want their way so bad, they're willing to turn a deaf ear to God. There's a period of time in the nation of Israel's history where God didn't speak. And I believe during that period of time, they wouldn't have listened anyway. God showed up and they weren't listening. God began to speak and they couldn't hear it. They didn't want to hear it. Listen, God's church tonight is church of the living God. He's still speaking, is he not? He's still working, is he not? He's still preparing, planning. And by the way, as long as he's waiting and and, and holding back his return, he's being merciful. He's being gracious. He's being loving. I think about how good and gracious he is as he holds back his return and that others can be saved. But I think about this too tonight. As I'm a child of God, I'm thinking how long he's waited and how long he's not come, he's, he, he's, he's not come back and, and how that's his mercy in the lives of his church as he's given us opportunity to get ready for that, to get prepared for that. Hasn't he warned us about it? Didn't he tell us how it was gonna come? Like a thief in the night. We, that, that, that we weren't, we weren't going to know. Hey, nobody knows the day or the hour. All those guys talking about knowing the day and the hour and all the signs and the codes and all that stuff, turn that stuff off. Turn that stuff off. They're false prophets. They're false teachers. They don't know the time. They don't know the day. But God, it's in his hands, isn't it? But he's given us what we're to do until he comes, right? Occupy until I come. That doesn't mean sit and wait. That means get ready. That means take the land. That means take the promise. That means move forward. It's a military term, if you would. God's telling us as his church, hey, listen, occupy until he comes. We have an obligation to occupy. We have an obligation to preach the word. We have an obligation to be witnesses. Listen, don't we know the purpose that God has left us here for? Honestly, tonight in your heart, are you fulfilling that purpose? Are you busy with lesser purposes? You're busy with lesser plans. You can't hide God's purpose. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org.